Ladies and gents, this is the moment that you've waited for. Been searching in the dark, your sweat soaking through the floor. Buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, all that you need is left behind. This is the greatest show. <laughs> the Greatest Showman is about a gentleman named P.T. Barnum tracking him from his youth through his adult years. Now, Barnum was a dreamer. And the thing about that is that he thought that those dreams would make up for some things that he lacked in his life. He was born poor, so he lacked social status. And he thought, if I can get these things, then I'll, I'll be okay. He lacked education. So if I can just achieve these things, these, this greatest show, then I'll be okay. The reality underneath it all was that he had a, a lack of personal self-worth. And it played into everything that he did. So he created The Greatest Show. And he thought that would be his solution, that it would be take care of everything, more money, more status, more everything, right? Because that's what we want, more everything. And then I'll be okay if I just get more of everything. The interesting thing is that we have a gentleman in the Bible who pretty much had everything, this is a reading from Ecclesiastes. The gentleman's name is King Solomon, and this is through the words of Eugene Peterson in the message beginning at verse 1. Solomon speaking. I said to myself, let's go for it. Experiment with pleasure. Have a good time. But there was nothing to it, nothing but smoke. What do I think of the fun-filled life? Insane, inane. My verdict on the pursuit of happiness, who needs it? With the help of a bottle of wine and all the wisdom I could muster, I tried my level best to penetrate the absurdity of life. I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals might do during the years we spend on the earth. Oh, I did great things. I built houses, planted vineyards, designed gardens and parks, planted a variety of fruit trees in them, made pools of water to irrigate the groves of trees. I bought slaves, male and female, who then had children, which gave me more slaves. 
Then I acquired large herds and flocks, larger than any before me in Jerusalem. I piled up silver and gold, loot from kings and from kingdoms. I gathered a chorus of singers to entertain me with song. Oh, how I prospered. I left all my predecessors in Jerusalem far behind. I left them in the dust. What's more, I kept a clear head through it all. Everything I wanted, I took. I never said no to myself. I gave in to every impulse. I held back nothing. I sucked the marrow of pleasure out of every task, my reward to myself for a hard day's work. Then I took a good look at everything that I'd done, looked at all the sweat and the hard work, but when I looked, I saw nothing but smoke, smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it, nothing. When I realized that my fate's the same as the fool's, I had to ask myself, so why bother being wise? It's all smoke, nothing but smoke. The smart and the foolish both disappear out of sight. In a day or two, they're both forgotten. Yes, the, both the smart and the foolish die, and that's it. I hate life. As far as I can see, what happens on earth is a bad business. It's smoke and spitting into the wind, and I hated everything I'd accomplished and accumulated on this earth. I can't take it with me. No, I have to leave it to whoever comes after me, whether they're worthy or worthless, and who can tell? They'll take over the earthly results of my intense thinking and hard work. Smoke. Now, later in Ecclesiastes, he does bring God into the equation and does connect that happiness is is connected to our understanding and our faith in God. This is a saying from Blaise Pascal. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing. All the stuff that P.T. Barnum was trying to fill his hole with wouldn't do it. But it's only filled with Jesus Christ. Now Solomon made 666 gold talents per year. That doesn't sound like very much, does it? Well, it's 1.5 billion with a B in our current economy. You could probably get by. I think I could probably get by on 1.5 billion. <laughs> Yet the one who is known as the wisest man came to the conclusion that all the stuff and having it, he had everything, and it did not provide his answers. Now, of course, Barnum never met Solomon. So he had to figure all that out on his own. He was able to do amazing things along the way. And you, have you known some dreamers in, in, in your life? Some driven dreamers? Barnum was a driven dreamer. And, and so he accomplished some things, some great things, because of that drive that he had. It just didn't fill him up inside and bring him happiness. He did look good, though. He looked really good. But then we're pretty good at looking good. Hey, hey, no one's buying hats back here. Get out front. Go. WD, Ann, I want to introduce my newest hire, Mr. Philip Carlisle. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, pleasure. And what is your act, Mr. Carlisle? I don't have an act. Hmm. Everyone's got an act.
everyone's got an act. Very astute observation. We all are really good at wearing our masks, at looking like one thing and being something else. It's a lot tougher to be who we are authentically, our authentic self, to seek depth in relationship. And when I was going through this, I, it reminded, took me back to the first movie, the first movie that we used called Wonder, which talked about the depth of relationships. And you can't see her face here, but in the movie, Julia Roberts the, is Augie's, Augie's mom, and, and she's looking at him, and, and she's got all of these emotions going on. Because here comes Augie with this little boy she doesn't know after the first day of school. She's got the astronaut helmet, not sure if Augie's going to come out crying and she's going to need to put the helmet on him so that folks wouldn't see his face. And here he comes, and she's got, I'm sure, hope going on. She's got some fear going on, anxiety going, okay, what is going on? What's going to happen when they get here? And Augie says, can Jack come home with me? That is a wonder. Can Jack come home with me? See, Jack was able to look beyond the appearance and, the, and beyond the mask and see who Augie was. They had fun together, and they went deeper in their relationship. We're each created to be a unique and gifted individual. Around here, you see, be you for him, which really says you don't need to constantly wear your mask around this place. Now, I do understand that it is church, and not wearing your mask in church is like against the rules or something. That, we, you know, as we're coming to church, we've got to grab our mask and our look good and put it on so that, hey, how are you? I'm wonderful. Oh, really? What about all this stuff that's happening? So we put on our mask, and I get that. But here's the thing. We need people in our life. We must have people in our life that we can take the mask off with. You know, if that's not here, I hope that it is here for you, but if it's not, you need people, because if, if you can never take your mask off, oh my goodness, you get tired. Constantly having to be whatever somebody else thinks that you need to be, it'll wear you out, it'll wear you down. One of the greatest things that I love about, and by the way, if you haven't seen The Greatest Showman, this is the, probably the only one that I'm going to say this blatantly about. Go see it, rent it, you don't have to go anywhere. Go, go rent it, it's awesome. It's a really... There's so, I could have chosen uh, countless themes that are biblical, but the main one that I love is this one, because it, it has to do with how P.T. Barnum reached out to people that the world looked down on. And that is so scriptural. John 6.37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. What does all mean? What does all mean? It's not trick. Everybody. And my translation says, whoever comes to me. Whoever. All. This is our God saying, all who come to me. Whoever. In other words, I don't care where you've been. I don't care about that stuff. This is out of Revelation. Come. The Spirit and bride say, come. Let the one who hears, come. Let the one who is thirsty, Come, let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. What's this saying? Come on, I'm your God. And by the way, if you're struggling and you're weary and heavy laden, what does God say? Come, come to me, all you, 
All you who are weary and heavy laden, who have burdens, and I will give you rest. God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't show favoritism. I'm going to read a passage out of James 2. My brethren, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and says, and say, here, you sit in a, ba- in a good place, which would probably be the back row. We'd have to probably move some move the webs and say, no, this is the, <laughs> we are Methodists, so we start from the back. Well, you say to the poor man, you, you stand over there and sit at my feet, which would probably, he'd probably make him sit up here next to me or in Kit in the front row. If you do that, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brethren. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? What we have, where we come from, status, class, money, notoriety, all of the things that P.T. Barnum sought for most of that movie were not the greatest things. Were not the greatest things. It was the relationships that he made, and in particular, the end of the movie, the most important relationships he made as the, the, the circus has burned down, the building has burned down, and he's broke, and he doesn't have a way out, and he's with his oddities and curiosities, and they stand by him, and they rebuild. And those relationships with those that the world literally was protesting outside of the building because they didn't think that they should be able to do the things that they were doing were the most important relationships for him. And I hope that's something that we can connect to because around here we we are a group of imperfect people following the one who is perfect, Jesus. Being imperfect is our expectation. So if you're in this place, being imperfect is okay. We are seeking to move on, in Wesleyan theology, to move on to perfection. And that can oftentimes be mistranslated, misunderstood, because it's being moving on to maturity. We don't expect to never make a mistake. But we do expect to continue to strive to become all that God created us to be. But not for us. Be who you are for the person and glory of Jesus Christ. This entire series that we've been doing has been focused on finding God where we are. Delaney's example, you you find God running on a track. He's with you, or in your case, probably not on a track. Where you are, God is. Right, Carol? You pointed that out this morning, you know? And that's even at the movies. But that travels or can travel into our everyday life. Because as we said last week, we're almost always going to find what we look for in life. If we look for the answers, we're going to find the answers. If we look for the problem, we're going to find the problem. If we look for God, guess what we're going to find? God. And I hope that you look for God in yourself as you start each day because you truly are a wonder. You are worth 
being saved. If you were the only one, Paul, Jesus would have gone to the cross to die for you. He loves you that much. He loves me that much. God is especially fond of you. He's never going to let you go. And I hope that you will be boldly, blatantly, gloriously who God created you to be. Because that's who we are. I am not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, no one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a blood, going to drown them out. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come.
you are. God is not calling you to be me or me to be you. He's calling Bob Collins to be Bob Collins, David Berenson to be David Berenson. He's calling Barry Schaefer to be Barry Schaefer. He doesn't want us to be who we're not. He wants us to be who we are. Live into that in this place. I know that we've had struggles and we've had ups and we've had downs and we've had sidewayses and we've wrestled with stuff, but it's time to let go of the past and go to the future because God has a plan for us that is beyond anything that we can imagine. It's impossible. God is an impossible God, and he wants to take us to the place of the impossible where every day we're coming in. Every, every week we come in, and, and we have a Delaney story, right? Hey, guess what God did in my life this week? I went to lunch, and I bumped into this person, and this happened, because that's who God is. That's what he wants to do in this place. Let go of the stuff. Amen? Amen. It's time. It's time that we let go and we move into the place prepared, because it's a place with a hope and a future. And that's where we're going to go at Arbor Point Church at West Jackson to the place God has prepared for us. Are you with me? Are you ready to go? Are you ready for this to be the deal and for us to let go of all of the, oh my gosh, are we going to make it? Oh no, are we going to? Forget that. That's, that's out of hell. <laughs> that's a, that is not from God. That is from Satan who's trying to convince us that we won't make it. And I got to tell you, this church has been under attack by the enemy for months and months and months. And I rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus by the blood of the cross. You have no place here. Protect, surround, a hedge of protection around each person, each of us in this place. Because we're ready to go where you would have us to be. We know we're weak and we know that's where you're strong. And we want to thrive. Please stand and join us. Deep 
you know I fathered hard. Into the world we're reaching out to show them who we are. So living water flowing through, God, we thirst for more of you. Fill our hearts and flood our souls with one because God does have a plan in this place, and it's a plan to move us. Look around you. Look around you. This is a result of prayer and, and God sending people and God sending you all here to be here today to hear that it's time. So grab hold of that. Live into that. Run with it. You know, God has appointments for you this week. Just keep your eyes open because he's, he's got divine appointments, and I don't mean me. I mean <laughs> D-I-V-I-N-E. Divine appointments for each of us in our life. But don't go so fast that you miss them. Okay? Next week we're going to talk about there is a cloud, which is about Elijah and the hope and the promise and the frustration that he felt and the promise that came true for him. And then we're going to talk about Jericho the week after that. So come back because we ain't done yet. May the love of God the Father, 
the grace of God, his son, and the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Fill you, lift you, and lead you each, each day of this week and each day of your life. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. God loves you. So do I. Amen.